0: Hello, and welcome to the final episode of Prove Me Wrong, Please, for the year 2020. Uh, now, in this episode, I'll review some of the larger takeaways that I hoped I communicated in previous episodes of this podcast uh, and explain why I think the worst parts of 2020 were largely avoidable. Uh, I will also briefly kind of reflect on my personal path to where I am today and, and vent about the remaining thoughts I've had just kind of swirling around my head for the last year that didn't make it into previous episodes of this pod. So with that said, this episode will probably be a bit more meandering in focus than previous episodes, but I hope you'll stick with me as I explain why I believe that education is always the solution. And as always, I encourage you to prove me wrong, please. Alright, my very first episode of this podcast, I started by describing what I felt was competing emotions of anger and optimism that encapsulates how I feel on a daily basis while paying close attention to the news and studying politics. It's sort of a double-edged sword in that the closer I examine the day-to-day happenings in Washington and the world at large, the more clearly I see the cracks in the system and the dirtiness that truly exists under the surface. However, at the same time, I also see the many opportunities for change that exist all around us. Now, as I stated in that introductory episode, this dichotomy of emotions has probably always existed within me to some extent, but it is really intensified in both directions over the course of my adulthood as I have paid closer attention to politics, and none more so than in the last year. After attending my first protest this summer following the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, I was Overwhelmed with a competing sense of anger and optimism that I felt the need to express uh, via the first episode of this podcast. That's why I took to recording my views about the movement that I was witnessing and how it fit into the larger political landscape. I remember walking from my apartment to the center of downtown Denver, just full of kind of animosity, really, towards the police, especially after watching the video of George Floyd's murder online. But once I joined the protests and was surrounded by people, uh, from around the city, who or state for that matter, who were equally fed up with the systemic injustice and were willing to actually do something about it, that anger quickly dissipated, and I was overcome with a sense of just pride and optimism. Now, perhaps it was also just the feeling of actually being surrounded by other humans for the first time in months at the time that spurred this sense of joy, but it was the just overall cathartic experience of actually documenting that day in that first recording which led me to launch this podcast, through which I have since been able to vent about a variety of other topics that are also very important to me. Now, in the first actual episode of Prove Me Wrong, Please, I explained how Donald Trump's actions and rhetoric throughout his lifetime and presidency indicate quite clearly to me how he views race in America and why it's important to acknowledge racism in order to eradicate it not only in the highest public office, but also just in everyday situations around us. Now, in my second episode, I explained in detail why I believe that one political party does not truly value certain norms and institutions that this country was founded on and upon which any functioning democracy survives. In a later episode, I talked about what defund the police truly stands for and why police reform isn't as scary as many on the right want you to believe it is. I also talked about why I believe conservative news media in general is just complicit in getting us to the place we are today, where legitimate threats to human survival like climate change and nuclear war are often ignored. I later talked about how many of the myths that tend to define the two political parties are largely a result of just poor communication on the left, and why that needs to change in order to advance progress. And finally, I talked about why this increasing departure from expertise and evidence-based reality is just not compatible with the functioning democracy. So throughout the last six months, I also had numerous conversations with folks from around the country with very opposing political views, including a liberal educator from Texas, an anarchist from Florida, and a few libertarians from Georgia. And through all these conversations and explorations into you know these certain topics I mentioned, I hope to have at least somewhat made the case that a remaining politically agnostic in today's climate is just not an option and b question everything beware of false equivalences and be sure to apply the scientific method in reaching your own conclusions about the world specifically about politics now there are plenty of forces out there that benefit from maintaining an uninformed populace which is why i hope that the major takeaway from this you know, first season of my podcast is just that education is a good thing and must be pursued by everyone. Looking back on this year, I strongly believe that some of the worst events could have been largely avoided if education was taken more seriously. And by education, I don't mean you know getting an advanced college degree. I, I just mean seeking out and paying more attention to legitimate fact-based knowledge. Obviously, education alone is not you know, the only solution, but I think it is the foundation of a larger, long-term effort that must be undertaken in the future in order to address large-scale and complex issues. For example, you know, looking back on this year, the racial riots could have been largely avoided if voters, politicians, and police finally just educated themselves about the systemic racism that truly exists in this country and what is required to actually fix it. The historic wildfires and hurricanes that we experienced uh, in California, Colorado, and you know the Gulf could have been also largely avoided if we listened to the scientists who have been trying to educate us for years about the dangers of climate change. Even the pandemic could have been largely avoided or at least somewhat mitigated and managed better if the Trump administration actually listened to the public health experts and didn't reject the advice and work of previous administrations to address situations exactly like this. Now, obviously, none of these massive problems have simple, quick solutions. And like I said, education is not the only answer. But I sincerely challenge anyone listening to just explain how any of these problems were inevitable when, to me, they so clearly were not. Although I don't love Joe Biden, as I've stated before, I at least believe that he will, uh, you know, upon taking office in three weeks, hopefully, uh, restore faith in experts and knowledge in general, which is essential for addressing complex issues like the ones I mentioned, you know, climate change, uh, institutional racism, and the pandemic. And look, I know wildfires were already going to happen this year. The pandemic would have taken many lives and that inevitably a black person would have been uh, shot by the police. But the scale at which each of these problems occurred this year in this country could have been reduced if we had put more thought into actually addressing them ahead of time instead of doing what our current president did and just completely ignored or just dismissed them altogether. And as much as I hate Trump for disregarding science... Uh, and just dragging down the quality of national political discourse and just turning politics in general into a reality TV show where expertise and experience no longer matters, I do have to acknowledge the silver linings, the few, of his presidency. I am legitimately thankful for the fact that he brought so many more people into the conversation that were never interested in politics before, and his presidency truly did energize folks on both sides of the aisle to just finally pay attention. I mean, this recent election saw historic voter turnout uh, on both sides of the aisle. And for once, I think people really are beginning to understand the value of effective government. Trump also made clear to me that performance and perceived authenticity is very important in today's political climate and that our biggest problem as humans is ignorance and not malevolence. And while that doesn't really sound great, it's, I think, important to remember that at least ignorance is entirely curable. I used to think the reason that many people tend to lean more conservative as they grow older is because they just get a better understanding of the world and the role government plays in everyday life, and they are also incentivized to just act a little more selfishly in order to protect their family. However, over the last 10 years, during which I've become just immersed in studying politics, uh, I have come to a different conclusion, which is that most people just simply lack the time, ability, and general interest to follow politics as closely once they have a family and a full-time job. And the less you pay attention to politics, the easier it is for certain self-serving politicians to make arguments that don't actually hold water, but are easily digestible. And I, as I mentioned in previous episodes, numerous News organizations like Fox News have no interest in progressing towards an objective truth and are able to build a loyal audience that is taught to reject any outside information and live in a reality of their own creation. And I know a lot of my conservative friends love to call Democrats like me just like mindless sheep, but I found the true key to feeling independent and empowered and not a sheep is through having control not of what you think, but how you think. And that requires doing what many people on both sides of the aisle, I think, fail to do when forming their opinions, which is just following the scientific method where you state a question, review all the evidence, and question that evidence without any sort of cultural, religious, or political bias, and then make conclusions based on that evidence. Instead, I've learned that oftentimes folks, again, on both sides of the aisle, tend to just reinforce their existing opinion through confirmation bias, which does not ultimately lead to a better understanding of the world. Obviously, everyone is guilty of this, myself included for sure, but I have spent a lot of time and energy studying politics and how both parties present themselves, and I strongly believe that if you take any issue and spend just two hours, or even one hour for that matter, researching it and comparing the evidence in the same way that you would uh, as an impartial jurist in a court of law, You would side on behalf of the Democratic argument over the conservative one nine times out of ten. You don't need to have studied politics to see this, though, but you do need to at least make the effort and expand your news diet. I just think people need to, in general, just spend a bit more time educating themselves about the world and politics in general because the benefits are wide-ranging and not often seen. I've been interested in politics for a long time and have long sought to educate myself in everything related to it. I've thought a lot about when my interest in politics truly began and it wasn't until I was actually back home last year going through my old desk when I found just folders and notebooks full of, you know, newspaper clippings and scribbled rants dating back to like early high school and even middle school. I'm not sure exactly when this political consciousness sort of like clicked on but by the time I was a junior in high school, I was you know, reading essays in the Atlantic for fun, stealing John McCain rally signs, uh, and I even had the front page of the Chicago Tribune from uh, Obama's 2008 election victory speech just hanging over my bed for years. As I made clear in a previous episode, my interest in politics stemmed from my passion for the environment and my anger over the many major political roadblocks I saw to addressing climate change. And by the time I entered college, I knew that I wanted to study environmental science and international studies with the end goal of perhaps one day working for the State Department in future climate negotiations. I even learned Mandarin in college and spent over a year and a half living and working abroad in China in order to get better understanding of the world and our relationship with that country and what it meant to truly be an American. When I returned back to the states in early 2016, it was only with the intention of actually getting involved In the election and helping elect politicians who I felt would no longer cripple the U.S.'s ability to advance necessary change on the global stage with regards to climate change. And that's why I joined a grassroots PAC aimed at flipping the U.S. House of Representatives, which had previously withdrawn the U.S. from the most substantial climate agreement to date at the time, which was the Kyoto Protocol. Over the course of the next three years, during which I helped build this grassroots organization into one of the largest non-affiliated PACs in the country, I regularly interacted with folks from around the country via email, over the phone, and even occasionally at the doors uh, in places like Alabama, Montana, Georgia, like across the country, about politics. And from those, you know, very illuminating experiences, I got to see up close just how dangerously misinformed the average American voter is, and how much animosity exists currently for members of the opposing political party. I also realized the deep distrust for established news sources and expertise uh, in general, which has only intensified ever since, forcing many people to just completely abandon trusted sources of information for just some bullshit website or anecdotal evidence. While working for that pack, I began every morning watching the White House press briefings so that I could just personally develop a better understanding of how different news sources typically spun the news. But only a few weeks into the Trump presidency, I had to stop doing this because his administration had completely disregarded facts starting on day one. And if that seems in any way objectionable, just keep in mind that the very first White House press briefing of this administration was when Sean Spicer was ordered to go out there and defend Trump's bullshit assertion that he had the largest inaugural day crowd ever when the overwhelming photo evidence and metro ticket sales just simply proved otherwise. I know this kind of seemed ridiculous, but it was this just blatant denial of reality and just complete bullying of the media and truth in general that sustained itself throughout his presidency and that bothered me a lot, because the fact that much of this country and many of my friends were just completely on board with it. I mean, that inspired me to consider, to begin considering at least, new ways to just kind of destroy these silos of information and refute the notion of alternative facts that, you know, if you remember, Kellyanne Conway um, had introduced into the national lexicon at the time. I was just determined to just demonstrate the inherent problem with crafting one's own reality in order to justify your position, as opposed to the other way around, which is how any rational decision-making should be. I believe then, and still believe now, that in a society responsible for governing itself, like as in any democracy, we cannot allow this kind of backwards behavior to lead decision-making at all levels of power, and that actually begins with us, the voters. Obviously, I'm not perfect, and... I'm certainly guilty of picking and choosing facts to support my beliefs at times, but I have also always been willing to change my position based on new information, and many of those I most often disagree with seem just completely unwilling to apply this same methodology in forming their beliefs and comparing the validity of competing arguments. There are obviously many problems facing this country, but in order to solve any of them, we must first collectively acknowledge that the problem actually exists, and that requires pulling our heads out of the sand or your ass wherever. That's why I quit the pack in 20, what was that 18, and spent the last two years and all of my savings, essentially building a free online platform that encourages people of all backgrounds and ideologies to just regularly pay attention to the news related to politics and focus on the facts that matter. And by facts that matter, I just mean the particular events in Washington that will actually have a lasting impact on our life and not the tabloid stories like Stormy Daniels that won't actually be remembered a year from now. I guess we're still talking about Stormy Daniels. But anyways, my web app, Politic Hue Trivia, just generally seeks to improve people's news literacy by incentivizing users to challenge information they think is inaccurate and also to submit their own questions to be included on the daily trivia quizzes. And I designed this web app specifically to just more heavily reward these actions over simply answering questions correctly because I want to encourage informed skepticism and friendly collaboration at a time when I think both are just extremely lacking. In this day and age when the majority of us adults now consume our news via social media, algorithms have created Uh, echo chambers of information that prevent us and people of all backgrounds from conversing with those on the other side of the aisle, and the complete lack of awareness of the opposing conversation topics is, in my mind, facilitating the extreme polarization we see in Congress and even over the dinner table, which is just not sustainable. I've lost many friends over the course of the last four years, but especially this past year, if I'm being honest, for just simply speaking my mind about politics And although I'm sure this is familiar territory for many of us, I'm assuming, I say this only because I I feel honestly that it's kind of my duty to share with you my thoughts and experiences, and that it's sort of my responsibility to express what I've learned through my education with those who have put their time and efforts into other equally meaningful endeavors, I don't do this out of a feeling of superiority, but because I genuinely understand that people are busy and don't have the time or opportunities that I have to really focus on the issues of politics, which are by no means simple to understand. From the beginning, I've made it overwhelmingly clear that I invite those who disagree with me to reach out so we can actually talk about those disagreements in a constructive manner. Unfortunately, most folks would rather just disregard my entire effort and leave an angry comment or a Facebook post uh, refuting the title of the episode, um, and I'm constantly being told by you know some of my conservative friends that my opinions and belief are just the product of a liberal news media, but I literally, like I said, go out of my way every day to expose myself to opinions I disagree with in order to ensure that I have a relatively well-rounded understanding of the world around me. And I just cannot say the same about a lot of my conservative friends, and certainly very few of my Trump-loving friends. I've tried reaching out to a few of these folks to talk to me about their beliefs, um, off the record for that matter, Uh, and I've watched YouTube videos that a few of them have sent me and invited them to submit their own questions on the web app, and yet I've gotten honestly nothing even close to anything reciprocal in response. And for a group of people just constantly calling people like me snowflakes, to be honest, they have proven pretty difficult to talk to without crying foul about being treated poorly. And as much as this kind of behavior just annoys me to the core and is kind of exactly what I was trying to fix in creating a podcast that provided the opposition like them with an opportunity to craft their rebuttal based on my argument, it's not all that surprising. But I do feel that there is a better way forward if my end goal is to truly engage these folks that I disagree with. The world just doesn't need more hate in it. And I feel as much as I've tried to remain optimistic and invite constructive dialogue in these first, what, like 10 episodes, I understand that I've often come across as angry, which understandably deters folks who may have disagreed with something that I've said from participating. That is why next season of Prove Me Wrong, Please, which, by the way, will begin in probably about like two weeks and will be posted every Thursday... I am planning on changing it up a little bit. Instead of just one long monologue, uh, I will instead post a simple argument on my social media channels along with a phone number for folks to call at a specific time each week in order to talk with me directly and tell me why I'm wrong. I will record that conversation and, with their permission, play parts of it, if not the whole thing, in those uh, episodes. And as always, I encourage folks to email me at pod.pmwp at gmail.com to also share their opinions if they would rather not actually talk, Um, but I hope this new format will just generally encourage folks to contribute their thoughts without feeling obligated to commit to an hour-long Zoom conversation. I'm happy to talk with anyone for as long as they wish, and I will also include any voicemails I receive in each episode so that those of you who... Don't wish to actually have a conversation but just still want your voice to be heard can still contribute and again i'm kind of making these changes simply to just try a different format that i hope will be more inclusive and less dogmatic and preachy um, as this first season might have been i really just want to start this new year fresh and on better terms with those who disagree with me and this is my attempt at doing so so 2020 has undoubtedly been a shitty year, and while I'm sure there's some listening who have had a much worse year than me, it's definitely not been easy for me either. I mean, in the last 12 months, I lost both the only grandparent I ever knew and my childhood home without any opportunity to give either a proper send-off. I also failed to get a business that I put my heart and soul into off the ground, and in the process of trying, like I mentioned, I've honestly felt more abandoned. Than ever before. Like I said, I I know this feeling is probably somewhat similar to what a lot of folks have felt throughout this year, which is why I believe a large reason, again, that Biden won the Democratic primary and then the general election is because his campaign was always rather optimistic and focused on restoring the overall morality of America while reuniting the country. And you can certainly disagree with whether or not you actually believe that sentiment, but you can't argue with the fact that that was his message pretty consistently from the beginning. And any look at campaigns throughout history around the world have showed often that those rooted in optimism have proven far more successful than those based in anger and hate. And so I'm honestly just trying to learn from those lessons and apply them to this next season of Prove Me Wrong, Please. So before I wrap this up and just kind of say good riddance to 2020, I just want to share one final anecdote, uh, which is recently I was kind of in a down mood and was just binge watching uh, inspirational America's Got Talent videos on YouTube. You know how you fall into those YouTube rabbit holes. And there was one that I stumbled across of this uh, black older man who spent 37 years locked up in prison for being wrongly convicted in a crime that he didn't commit. Now, you never would have guessed this based on the man's just overall demeanor during his audition, and that he just seemed so casual and upbeat. And in watching this, I I couldn't help but just feel angry on his behalf, and asking myself if I could have possibly kept my shit together if I were in his shoes. I mean, this guy's story was literally like a real-life Shawshank Redemption and that he spent twenty years of those thirty-seven years in solitary confinement as retribution from the prison warden for stopping uh, his position as leading the prison's like championship boxing program in order to focus on building his case for his release. Now, if I were him and had finally been released after you know further scrutiny into his very questionable trial and conviction. I would have walked out on that stage and flipped everyone in America off and then walked right off uh, for just doing nothing in order to help innocent people like him, who we often ignore just out of convenience. But instead, this man just handled it with grace and compassion and not a hint of anger and was able to sing like a pretty moving song, to be honest. And his story in general just reminded me of something else that I had learned uh, a few months prior, which was that Ruth Bader Ginsburg's mother uh, taught her a very important lesson that she carried throughout her life, um, which was, it's basically, if I'm summarizing, it's not worth getting angry because it's ultimately just a waste of time and energy. So with this man and Ruth Bader Ginsburg in mind, as well as another icon that we lost in 2020, Alex Trebek, I feel that my personal resolution for 2021 is to try harder to suppress my more unconstructive feelings of anger and continue my impartial pursuit of facts in order to eliminate what I consider the noise and create clarity. I believe that objective truth exists and that my effort to make this point should not be personal. As I mentioned in a previous episode, the erosion of social trust just leads to a wide variety of negative outcomes for any society, which include, you know, higher rates of corruption, crime, and inequality. Therefore, my end goal is to mend the growing divide between Americans of different political ideologies. And although I don't have any, you know, delusions of grandeur here, I, I do hope to achieve that in some small way through this podcast that I hope Uh, will invite honest and respectful dialogue. And if that's a mission you agree with, then I hope you continue listening in this next year. For now, though, thanks for listening. Goodbye, 2020. And I wish you all the best 2021. I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks.